0: Greetings everyone, this is Pastor Mike. Thanks for joining me today. I'm here at home, one of the upstairs rooms of my house, with my Bible open to Romans chapter six. One of my favorite passages where it says in verses 12 through 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. But rather offer yourselves to God, as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace." Now we've begun to explore the fourth paradigm of transformation, that is that the Kingdom of God exists where Jesus reigns as Lord. Therefore, transformation happens where Satan's kingdom is renounced, evicted, and his jurisdiction voided by the blood of Jesus, and the Lordship of Christ is established. To establish Jesus' reign in our lives, His Lordship, we must know and understand what Christ has done to set us free from the power of sin, And then how to appropriate it by faith. Victory isn't gained through knowledge, but knowledge is the first step to experiencing victory. We looked at that last episode. God has told us in His Word that we were baptized into Christ and included in His death. The old man, that sinful nature that I have, has been rendered powerless. And yet that old sinful man, That old sinful nature continues to exert influence on me and to pull me back into trying to get me to continue in the same patterns of sin that resulted in my previous bondage. But now, knowing what Christ has done for me, I've counted it mine by faith, and yet I still live in this body of death there is still an undeniable pull on me towards sin. So what is God's instruction? There in verse 13 of Romans chapter 6, it says, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So here's one of the most practical passages in the Bible. Notice that there's still an acknowledgement that there is a war being waged in my mortal body, and that battle is to see who will reign in me. To understand this, I first have to understand that I am a soul sandwich. It's an example I like to use. What I mean by that is the Bible says that we are, as people, comprised of body, soul, and spirit. Three parts. Now think of it like the three parts of a sandwich. There's a top piece of bread, a bottom piece of bread, and whatever you put in the middle. Our body, our flesh, includes our sinful nature. And one day we'll be set free from the very presence of it. We'll get a new, incorruptible body. But until that day, our soul remains connected to it. Now our soul is our intellect, our emotions, our will. It's the part of us that chooses and reasons and feels. Then our spirit is the part of us that's able to connect with God on a spiritual level, as well as with the spiritual realm around us. We are all soul sandwiches. That is, our soul is in the middle, like the meat of the sandwich. Now picture me holding up three fingers horizontally, When I was born, my flesh was on top, ruling over me. My soul was in the middle, enslaved and shackled to my flesh. And my spirit was on the bottom, and in fact was dead, separated, and disconnected from God. But when I received Christ by faith, I was literally born again. And two things happened. First, my spirit came alive to God. Secondly, the shackles, the glue that forced my soul and flesh together in this master-slave relationship is broken, that those two fingers were now separated. My soul was set free through death. My old self, the Bible says, was crucified with Christ. So now reimagine the soul sandwich. It's a soul sandwich because my soul, again, is always in the middle. But now because of Christ, for the first time, I have a real choice. Having been set free, I can now either offer myself to God so that now the Spirit will be on top, ruling and reigning over my life. And as I do that, my flesh goes under and is no longer in control. Or this passage is saying, I can offer myself back to sin. That is, I can choose to follow my own fleshly desires, which then places my flesh right back on top, and the Spirit goes under. Romans um, 15 and 16 addresses this choice when Paul says, What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means! Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. It's like this. I was a slave, but I died. This was God's solution. Therefore, my old master doesn't own me anymore because a dead slave is no longer bound to his master, but I've been brought back to life through resurrection in Christ. I now have a new master. But the old master sees me standing there and is used to bossing me around and I'm used to being his slave. And so he starts ordering me around again. Meanwhile, God is saying, I've set you free to love me and live as you were created to live. Remember the bully in the wheelchair. He can scream and intimidate, but he no longer has the power to enslave me unless I choose to submit myself to him. So what do I do? I offer myself to God that he might now reign over my soul. I love this application because it's not complicated and it's very visual. I'm to offer my physical members to God, my hands, my feet, my eyes, my soul, that is my thoughts, my will. Now, it probably didn't escape your notice that it says, present yourselves to God as slaves. Now, why would God say that? Culturally, we struggle with this imagery because the idea of slavery is so repulsive to us. The idea of one man owning another. Why would I submit myself to that? But let me illustrate why it's so important to understand that to offer ourselves to God in this context means becoming a slave. Now, imagine if I had $100 in my pocket, and as I drive down the road, I see Walmart there. So I pull into Walmart. I have a few things I want to buy. So I I pick them up. I pull out. I'm going down the road. I see there's the Thai food place. I think, man, curry sounds good. I think I'm going to pull in there and get some curry. And pretty soon, as the day goes on, um, I come home. I still have a few dollars in my pocket, but I've spent most of the money in my pocket. But it doesn't matter because it's my money to spend. But now imagine that you and I are talking and and you know that I'm going to see a mutual friend of ours later in the day and you give me a hundred dollars You say hey, I know you're gonna go. You're gonna see bill later on this hundred dollars is his he loaned it to me And when you see him give it to him. It belongs to him um, Tell him this from me. So now I drive down the street I got a hundred dollars in my pocket just like I had before But now when I pass Walmart, I don't think well, I'm gonna pull there, pull in there and get a few things Or when I smell the Thai food place and that amazing curry, I think, man, that would be good. But I don't have any money in my pocket that belongs to me. You see, I relinquish my right to choose what I do with money when I consider that it belongs to someone else. This idea of ownership changes the way I live my life. This is how it is when I offer myself to God as a slave. He owns me. And therefore, He calls the shots. We often have more of an employee mentality when relating to God. As an employee, I choose whether or not I work for you. And I work for you in so much that I see the benefits I receive through wages or a job that I enjoy doing. And when I'm not at work serving my employer, I'm on my own, living my life, calling the shots, doing my thing. But the transformed Christian life is a life that has been offered to God so that now he is Lord. Later in the same chapter, Paul says, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. You see, holiness is not the attaining of a certain standard or the suppression or eradication of something evil within. But holiness is the setting apart of something to God's exclusive use. So the Bible says, offer yourselves to God. Set yourself apart for God's exclusive use. Be holy. The kingdom of God is now established where Jesus reigns as Lord. This happens when I offer myself to Him, and I become like a glove, that the hand of God now enters and fills and animates, that He may now bear eternal spiritual fruit, righteousness, and true holiness in and through me. So today let us offer ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life Let us submit ourselves to Him and set ourselves apart for His exclusive use, that we might declare, without hypocrisy, that Jesus Christ is our Lord. Amen.